First reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors of Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. May the living word of God speak to us through these ancient words. Standing on the precipice of a new year is always an exciting thing. I've always felt drawn to this idea of restarting, getting another chance. And it can feel like there are limitless possibilities before us with a fresh slate to make our own. It gives us a chance to reflect upon our year considering all of those things that we have accomplished and to leave behind whatever unfortunate things may have happened as well. Now, everyone, I'm sure, is familiar with the idea of New Year's resolutions. These often take the form of promises that we make to ourselves or to our loved ones that we will work on self-improvement in some way. Polls that are taken about this tell us that the most common resolutions revolve around things like saving more money, eating a healthier diet, exercising more, or giving up some sort of vice that has a grip on us. Most people who make these resolutions, however, fail to stick to their resolution for more than three months, with just over half giving up in that time. And yet making these resolutions remains an important tradition for so many. Year after year, many dedicate themselves to making a change in their lives, only to give up not even a quarter of the way through. Why is that? Well, because change is hard. We humans are largely creatures of habit, and once we become entrenched in a certain way of being, it's often difficult, and we find ourselves in a rut when we want to try to do something new. 
So how then does this idea translate to our spiritual lives? How do we come about living more into the way that God would have us live? Are most of us doomed to failure despite our best intentions, just like those who strive to complete a New Year's resolution? Well, it's not an easy task. If we look to the book of 2 Corinthians this morning, we'll find some reassuring words about this. The scripture tells us that in Jesus Christ, we become new creations. The old passes away and new things come into being from God. In sending Christ, God performed the ultimate act of reconciliation, granting us forgiveness for our wrongs and the opportunity to extend that same forgiveness to one another. To put these verses a bit more into their scriptural context, here Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, serving as a sort of ambassador who is counseling the church through some difficulties in their lived experience together. And now while Paul is largely speaking about interpersonal conflict, conflict between people, it can also be applied to our own internal conflicts. And what Paul describes is really quite dramatic, given the context that he's writing in. The role of the ambassador or peacemaker would not have been one that was unfamiliar to people in this time and culture. And typically, however, the ambassador would seek resolution by having the wrongdoer perform some sort of act of penance, some way of making the situation right to those who have been wronged. But what Paul suggests is a sort of reordering of this structure, posing God as the ultimate ambassador of forgiveness. As John Fitzgerald, professor of New Testament studies at the University of Miami notes, whereas human efforts at reconciliation are often thwarted by demands that the guilty be severely punished or that hefty reparations be made, Paul depicts God as magnanimously offering blanket amnesty to humans. And that is something that is truly amazing. We are granted this opportunity for growth made into new beings, but this transformation is not a one-time event. Rather, it is an ongoing process. Like with all things, God gives us the capability but we have to follow through on living our faith. We have to accept this forgiveness that God grants us and act not only as recipients of God's reconciliation, but also as ambassadors of it. We carry this message of hope and reconciliation to the world. In a society marked by division, by strife and brokenness, we are called to be agents of healing and bearers of this good news. And this has ramifications for each and every one of us. It means that we're not only able to bring about change, but to change ourselves. But what does this change look like? Well, psychological research has demonstrated that the key to developing a habit is consistency. If we make it a point to practice something consistently, it can become like a second nature to us, like our default response. 
It stands to reason then that if we want to develop our spiritual lives, that we need to make it a priority to practice our faith. We should strive to consistently pray, to read scripture, and to commune with the divine in those places that we feel closest to God. If we seek to live out our faith interpersonally, as Paul says in our scripture, then we should make it a point to practice goodness and kindness, to seek justice and peace in our relationships with one another. The more we do these things, the more we will live into God's fullness and the more we will be transformed. Now, our circumstances can often make this sort of consistency difficult. Our modern lives are filled with stresses of all sorts, work demands, financial strain, illness, loss of those close to us. But if we turn to our scripture in Ecclesiastes this morning, we'll find yet more reassuring words about understanding and coming to terms with these difficulties. These verses from the book of Ecclesiastes present a list of life seasons using polar opposites to demonstrate the totality of their breadth. The literary device he used here is called mirrorism, with these opposites presented as sort of mere images of one another. This functions to show us that there are a variety of periods in our lives, both those which may be seen as positive or negative and many of which are beyond our control. They simply happen, some of them less pleasantly than others. What the author is aiming for here is a sort of declaration of the sovereignty of God, that God is big enough to encompass everything, our happiness and our sadness, our laughter and our mourning, times of war and times of peace. There is nothing beyond the grasp of God. And so this demonstrates to us that God is with us in every season. Through the ups and downs, from birth until death, God does not abandon us. Whatever season of life we are in, God loves us, God cares for us, and God meets us where we are. The onset of this togetherness between humanity and God is celebrated on Christmas Day in the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, as we are aware, the liturgical season of Christmas is not confined to a single day, but rather the formal celebration actually extends from December 25th through Epiphany on January 6th. It's actually a 14-day-long celebration, meaning that we're still right in the midst of the Christmas season in the church. In fact, we're not even halfway through it. But our celebration should not be confined even to these 14 days. The recognition of God being with us, manifest in the birth of Emmanuel, God with us, should be something that we recognize every day. Christ's birth is not just a historical event. It is an ongoing experience, a continuous birthing of newness in our lives. So let us strive to be a people of celebration all year long. Whatever season of life you may find yourself in this new year, the realities of Christmas Day remain true. Christ Jesus, God incarnate, 
dwells with us each and every day. Isn't that amazing? We are granted a clean slate each and every day, every hour, every minute. Now, this doesn't mean that we get a pass to wrong one another simply because our slate is cleaned, but rather it means that it's never too late to turn things around. As I often say in my assurance of pardon, the portion of the service um, early on that follows the opening prayer, God is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, as many chances as we need to get it right. And I believe that the new year stands as a sort of representation of this idea. As we enter this new year, let us embrace our role as ambassadors of Christ. Let our words and actions reflect the love, grace, and reconciliation that we have received in Jesus. May we share with one another the peace and the hope that we find in Christ and the wonderful love that God brings to our lives. So friends, have a safe, blessed, and happy new year. May it be fruitful, and may we all take advantage of our clean slate. Amen.